So we're going to be in John this morning, if you'll open up the Word. We've been looking in this uh, prayer of Jesus, prayer of God, the last couple of weeks, and we'll probably be in it for several more weeks. Uh, Jesus prayed this, and it was so impactful that 60 or so years later, John actually wrote it down into the book he was writing about God. And this is a, a chapter in the Bible that we just need to kind of sit with. Because the Word of God is powerful. And God has you here to hear this, this morning, for a reason. So let's get into it. It says that after Jesus said this, he looked to heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. Last time we focused on the word glory, uh, which is kind of a key word. And when we went back to the Greek to find out the meaning of the word glory, uh, we went through all the little nuances. And Jesus says, glorify me to them. And we've talked about uh, that, so I'm not really going to go into that this morning. Uh, um, I'll get it up online if you guys can listen if you missed it. But, uh, uh, but I want you to listen to another key word as we read through this and see if you can pick. Uh, there's several, but see if you can pick up on one that just keeps coming up. Verse 2, it says, For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that you may know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you have gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in the presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They are yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now you know that everything you have given me has come from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. Well, I don't know if you picked up on the word gave or given or give. It's <laughs> through there multiple times. And that's where we're going to spend our time and focusing the next few minutes. Um, Jesus pray, you know, his prayer points to all that the Father has given him, all the Father's done for him, and then he's turned around and he's going to give his followers. That's you and I. That's everything he's given to us. And he makes it very clear in this passage, in this prayer, that he's not just praying for these guys. He's praying for the future. He's praying for everyone who later will call upon his name. So his prayer is for you today in the year 2022. And this is why prayer is so cool. Now Jesus repeats the word many times. And I didn't count them. But if I start to bore you, you can look up on the screen and just start. Well, I only have one verse up there. You can open your Bible and just start counting the words, okay? But we must stop and understand God is not like us. Okay, get that through our heads. God is not like us. God does not repeat himself over and over for no reason. Now, some of us, we just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, right? And you're looking at me going, yeah, you, but okay. But beyond that, some of us just repeat ourselves over and over again, and that's one type of person. Now, another type of person is called a verbal processor. 
where you, you know where you start you just start talking and then you figure it out as you're talking and processing a verbal processor needs the words to come out of their mouths for them to figure it out that's part of the process for them and the more you go along you start to sound like you've figured it out all of a sudden and you end with wow that that just might work where did that come from and you've just been talking it out right now, others are not verbal processors, and I don't know what to call you people, okay? Uh, people who are not verbal processors. I'm sure you have a name for yourself. Uh, if not, we can discuss it until I come up with one for you, but, but you, uh, you do not need to verbalize things. In fact, you need to not verbalize things, right? You're like, I don't want to talk about it. You just want to be left alone. And the last thing you need is a verbal processor to come along and, and, and want to talk it out, right? You're like, you get irritated by that, you know? So let's admit who we are. Raise your hand if you're a verbal processor. Several, okay, the hands are like, everybody knows who you are already, you know? That's okay. Now, let's raise them again. Raise them high. Everybody who doesn't have their hand down or a hand up, you know to leave them alone during the middle of a situation, right? Because they're the nonverbal processors. They need to think it through, but they're not going to be talking about it. Now, if you're married to the opposite type of person, you've got to look at them and say, what is wrong with you, okay? Because you know how that goes. But God is not a verbal processor. Our God is a God of few words. So when he repeats himself... When he says the same thing over and over, it is very, very important for us to look at it. So God has, you know, gone through and said, uh, you know, these things, and, and he has said give and given and gave and gave and given and given and gave and given and given, and, and, you know, he just keeps talking, and he just keeps saying it, so we need to take notes. Verse 2, it says, for, he, for you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those who have given, uh, given him. I brought you glory, verse 4, on earth by finishing the work you gave, to me, gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in the presence with the glory I'd, I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those you gave me out of this world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they obeyed your word. Verse 8, for I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but those you have given me, for they are yours. Now, in case any of us kind of get mixed up in our theology and say that the Son is inferior to the Father... He says in verse 10, all I have is yours and all you have is mine and glory has come to me through them. And then verse 22, later on he says, I've given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. That blows me away. I haven't figured that one out yet. You know what I'm saying? Try to comprehend your, your mind around that and around the Lord. It is hard sometimes. I have given them glory that you gave me. And that is an amazing thing. When I think of this, I think about Moses, right? 
Moses is on the mountain. He goes up and, and, and the Lord shows him his glory and he comes down. They're getting the written word for the very first time and it's an experience so much that it changed him that when he came down the mountain, he physically glowed. I wonder if he realized it coming back down the mountain. I mean, did it glow enough that he could see so he could walk around? Or if it was it something that he couldn't see and everybody else could see? I don't know, but it changed him. Paul said that when the glory started to fade from Moses' face, he put a veil over it. In Corinthians, Paul writes that the glory we receive and experience is more than Moses received. Think about that for a second. Moses went up and saw the glory of God, came back glowing. And Paul is saying, we have even more than what he received. Why is that? The Holy Spirit lives within us when we accept him. And if we let that light shine, it is unbelievable. God wants us, or he wants to give us the glory. And he wants us to run out and give that same glory to other people. He wants you to become a, a distributor of that. He wants you to be the, uh, you know, the guy standing on the street corner, not giving out drugs, but, but giving out the glory of God. In your workplace, the people you meet, in your home, anywhere you go, you should be passing out the glory of God. So i got a question for you. Who needs the glory the most? Nice people? Are the ones who bug you the most? Interesting question. This is our struggle, right? You know, this is, uh, you know... EGR is another way of putting it, extra grace required, you know? So he says to the Father, you gave me authority. You gave me glory. You gave me these people. You gave me the words to say to them. And Jesus is now saying, here is what I've done, Father. I've given them the manifestation of who you are. I've shown them who you are. And, but, you know, before I came, they did not understand you. They were afraid of you. They forgot that Moses was with you and wasn't killed. Think about that. Moses was in the presence of God and wasn't killed. Just another guy, normal person like you and I. So what did they do? Oh, Moses can't be normal, and they elevated him up. They couldn't believe a normal person could come into the presence of God. And Jesus says, I have come to reveal the Father to everyone. And this is what he did. He revealed the glory of the Father to anyone who would listen. He says, I've given them the word and they have kept it. He says, I've given them eternal life. I mean, these two words, eternal life. I mean, this is not trivial like a driver's license in your back pocket, right? You know, we need to get a, a fresh perspective on this. And the longer we walk with the Lord, we start to take eternal life for granted, don't we? I mean, my wife and I, we've been blessed over the years. Now, I would say something like, it wasn't always like that, but then that's saying that God doesn't bless us continually, okay? I'm not trying to say that, but you know, everybody comes from different places, right? 
We moved out to California in, in her job, and we just had a blast. Moved into a, a nice apartment up in Pleasanton and, and enjoyed that and moved into, a, you know, after a couple of years, we moved into a rental home that was a two-story home. We had a, a ton of, of people, you know, coming over and, and, and uh, you know, ministry-wise and all that kind of stuff. 1,700-square-foot home. It was great. Then we sold, or we sold, we moved out of that because that was a rent home and bought our own home, 1,300 square feet, but hey, we'll, we'll take it, Right? I wish I still owned that home. It's worth like a million dollars right now in Livermore. And I'm not joking. 1,300 square foot home. Then one year later, our life situation changed. One year to the day we sold that home. And we moved into a 750, uh, 750 square foot apartment. Then I went back to, to uh, school and got my Bible degree and went to seminary and, and the college wanted to hire me and they said, hey, we'll give you a free place to live on campus. So we went from the 750 square foot apartment to a 600 square foot apartment on, on campus. And then about a year and a half into that, my boss made some, well, I won't say what I, okay. My boss made some decisions and moved a whole bunch of people around on campus and we went to a 400 square foot place on campus. So don't look at us and think, for those that have been over the house, oh, wow, they don't know what it's like. They just don't know. They don't understand. And until you get to know each other, and I'm not saying this is, it's not about me. I'm just using me as an example. Each one of us has a story and a background. And until you get to really know someone, you don't know. And we assume, well, man, I assume you assume. We all assume, Okay. And we have to be careful about that. The Lord has a purpose for everything we go through. And sometimes it's difficult situations. And we don't like those difficult situations. How many people love going through a difficult situation? Come on, right? I mean, some of us have been through it enough that we can handle it, you know. The Lord has built us up and, 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 and taught us along the way. And sometimes we go through little difficult situations because the Lord's preparing us for later on to take us through a bigger difficult situation that maybe can glorify him out of that situation. You see, it's all about the glory of God. It's not about us. You know, the Lord has blessed my wife and I over the years. And the goal is not to take it for granted. That's our, you know, our walk with the Lord. We get used to God being there, and we start taking it for granted, right? It's hard to believe that something so valuable as eternal life, we would take for granted. Something so important. I have eternal life, but I'm so focused on so-and-so because they irritate me. How sad is that? I have eternal life, but I'm not living in the place I really want to be living in. I have eternal life, but so-and-so has it better off than I do. See, this is Christians acting like pagans, acting like non-Christians. Christians acting like the world, taking it for granted the important things that God has given us and focusing on the things that are not important. There's nothing more exciting, nothing 
Even little Rebecca Joy back there, the little baby. There's nothing more excited, exciting than Jesus Christ coming to this world. And he brought us eternal life. It's the most wonderful phrase that you can ever hear. And he brought it as a gift. Let's think about Christmas. Christmas is coming up. Giving gifts is a, is a really cool thing. Some of us, when it comes to family, right, our other friends, we go, what in the world am I going to get so-and-so? So put aside the obligation gifts, right? It's kind of like, um, you know, at Christmas, uh, and we got to figure out when we're going to decorate stage and all that kind of stuff. But, it, you know, one of the things we around here, and you guys last week stepped up for that, is we give a gift to every child that comes to our church uh, the Sunday before Christmas so they can take home a gift from our church. And when I say our church, from you. And you guys were like, you know, last week I, I had the envelopes and said, okay, who wants a, a girl or a boy or whatever, and you guys started. I mean, that, that can be a lot of fun going out and buying gifts for people. We need to be excited about this. I mean, I've never seen a kid not excited about Christmas. Have you? I mean, as adults, we're like, oh, crowds. You know, I don't want to go through that. But the kids are so excited. I mean, to receive presents, that's pretty cool. It's a cool picture of the Magi giving gifts to Joseph and Mary for, for Jesus. And that, that probably funded their whole trip to Egypt and the whole time that they lived there before the Lord brought them back. I often wonder if they realized the greater gift that was given to them, which was Jesus himself. And when I say that, I'm talking about in that moment. I'm sure they knew, but you know. One of the really cool things about Christmas and giving gifts is when you give something to a person who really needs something or really wants something. Kind of fun to wrap it all up. And you're thinking, man, they're going to just love this gift. And you wait with anticipation as they open it because you know the reaction is going to be. And sometimes the reaction is just like, for about five seconds, their jaw just kind of drops. That is a God-like feeling. And what I mean by that, that's like God, us accepting the greatest gift, which is Jesus Christ. This is how God the Father feels when we receive the Son as our gift. When we open up the present of His Son, listen to the word give. For unto you a child is born. Unto you a son is what? Given. For God so loved the world. What did He do? He gave. He gave what? His one and only son. The only one he had. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? Eternal life. That's pretty cool. Now, when we're baby Christians, we think about this. Because we're what? We're scared of hell. When we finally realize that hell is real, right? Many people become Christians because they're scared of hell. And it's a good short-term motivator. Long-term, I don't necessarily think it'll keep you. Unless you really commit yourself 
to the Lord. What keeps us close to Jesus is the opposite of fear. I mean, the wonder that he gave himself at all as a gift. What touches the heart of the Father is when we give gifts, we get a feel for it. And this anticipation that God felt, this is why the angels were singing. I'm giving them my son, the one and only. See, the world wants us to believe this. It's God's desire to strike us with lightning. It's God's desire to punish us or spank us. It's God's desire to make us feel guilty for every sin that we have in our life. It's God's desire to make us feel the shame of whatever we've done in the past. But that's not God's desire at all. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 2 said, Show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in the kindness to us in Christ Jesus. The kindness thing. This is the kindest thing that God has ever done for us. This is the greatest thing that God has ever done for us. We look at creation with wonder, don't we? I mean, at least I do. I mean, it's, this world is amazing. Above the, you know, above the water and below the water. It's just unbelievable. We look at each other wondering, is that person really made in the image of God? But the reality is the most wonderful thing he ever did was give us himself. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. The gift. Paul talks about the gift in 2 Corinthians also. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Paul has been walking with Christ for years when he writes this. And he stops right in the middle of giving instructions to the churches and and really kind of telling them to straighten themselves out. And he says to these guys he loves, he says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. If you were told you were going to receive one of the greatest gifts in your life, Would you leave it unopened? Birthday comes and goes and it's still unwrapped. Christmas comes and goes and the tree is taken down and the gift is still there. You know, we've had that uh, kind of, it's it's been kind of fun with our kids because they get so excited about one gift, they just keep playing with it and playing with it. Three days later after Christmas, there's still a gift under the tree. There was actually two or three that they hadn't unwrapped yet. They were just so enthused about the other gift that they got. And we're like, do we save it for their birthday or do we, you know? This is why year after year after year, and after decade, and after centuries, after generations, people keep going with this gift. This gift that the Heavenly Father has freely given to us. That's an amazing thing. Now, something else I want you to think about. What happens when we receive a gift we love? We use it for a while, right? We get used to it, and then we usually put it aside. But I want to encourage you not to put this gift aside. 
Don't put the gift of God aside in your life. Don't live like the world. I want to encourage you to live for God. Because I have friends, personal friends, that have left the church and started living for the world. And things are a mess in their life. And you're just like, you want to go and you just want to shake them and say, wake up. But you try to be gentle. Sometimes you get a little more forceful with it, you know, depending on how good of a friendship. But then decisions are made within the family, and they go, why? And you go, what do you mean why? You've been living for the world, that's why. Don't live for the world, live for God. It's a great gift. Look at the words he uses in verse 8. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty, the certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. They received it, and they believed it. Those are two great words that complement each other. The word received in the original language is lumbano. And you don't need to memorize the Greek, but, but, but to remember the concept is really cool. It means to pick up... Appropriate in order to use. This is a, a gift that you really needed or, or really wanted, and you're actually going to use it. This is like a, a person who really loves to fish and they've broken their fishing pole, and somebody gave them a fishing pole, and they're like, Yeah, I'm going to use this every chance I get. The word receive or accept it, to pick up in order to use. Not like, oh, this is really nice. I'll put it in my collection. Thanks. And the tags stay on it for years. It's not like that. Now, the word believe is, is like the word receive, but it's a faith word. Believe is to take hold of something and put confidence in something to the point of relaxing into it. I mean, you believe, not that they're 100% comfortable, but you believe in these chairs right now because you're sitting in them, right? You believe it's going to hold you up. You didn't grab it and start going, oh, is this table? Okay, it's sturdy enough. Let me put my drink down. You don't do that. You believe the table's going to hold up your drink, right? The same thing with the chair. That is what we need to be doing with the faith of God. So he is saying, if you receive it, if you pick it up, you're going to use it. And I'm relying on it without even thinking about it. That's becoming a Christian. And this is what it's all about. Look at verse 3. Now this is eternal life that you know, or that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Now, when I read this or read this the very first time, I was very interested in eternal life, right? You wanted to know what it is. And like, I, you know, what is, what is eternal life? I wanted to know about it because it affected me. You know, it's eternal. And then 40 or 50 or 60 or 90 or 100 years that I will be here, hopefully. I don't know when, you know, the Lord will bring me home. Those years are going to go by like that, right? You talk to an older person, what did they say? Oh, life goes by so quick, you know. Mentally, some of us are still in the 30s, right? 
That was me playing basketball a few weeks ago and tore my knee up. I was still acting like I was 30 and not 52. But life goes by so quick, and there's such a thing as eternal life. And if, us, if we can figure that out, we need to spend more time thinking about this. And once I got that figured out and decided upon, I can turn around and look at my life, and everything looks different, right? Everything looks different. Verse 3, now this is eternal life that you uh, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus helps us figure this out. He uses the word know here. Look at verse 7. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. In verse 25, righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. The word know is an important word. God repeats it over and over again. He uses it again and again. The word in the Greek is the word gnosko. It means to know. Not just know in your head, okay? I mean, it includes knowing in your head, but it's much more, it's like you know. You know what I'm saying? You know. I mean, it's like the secret handshake. My son, uh, you know, the last couple of summers we've done swim lessons over here and, uh, at, Tulare Pool, uh, at the Tulare Pools. And um, Grayson, he, people just attached to him. His teacher loves him. His te- all his teachers have loved him. Um, he's like a squirrel. He just goes off and he's over here and over there mentally. Uh, he's really smart, but, but they, they really love him. But at the swim lessons, these, uh, all, the, all the leaders over there, the, the, the teachers and all that for the swim lessons, uh, they loved Grayson. They, they nicknamed him G-Money, okay? Don't ask me why. They gave him candy every day. I'm like, oh, Lord. And he's milking it. You know, he knows they know. He came up with a secret handshake for them to use every day. And they went right behind the bleachers, you know, right there, you know, you're right at the pool, where where daddy couldn't see the secret handshake that he had with these young ladies that were doing the swim lessons, okay? You know. It's like X on the map that you put something there, you know what it means. It's being in. So let me ask this. Do you know the Lord? Well, I know about the Lord. Those are two different things. Do you know the Lord? Well, I grew up in church. That is not the same. Do you know the Lord? Oh, I'm Baptist, or I'm Catholic, or I'm non-denominational. That is not the same. To gnosko, to know, to get that little smile on your face, that little eyebrow that raises up, and oh, yeah, I know. It's an intimate, working, experiential knowledge. The Hebrews love this word so much. You know, this word is, is used to describe a healthy marriage. Adam knew Eve, if you know what I mean. To know, it's that intimate knowledge. And Jesus said in verse 3, Now this is eternal life that you, or that they, know you, the only true God. Gnosko, to know you. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, that they may be intimate with the Father. 
that we may, tr- that we, we may trust the Father, that we know He is a good Father. Romans chapter 8, Paul says, Abba, Father, to understand what a true father should be and can be. I say the word father, and we, we've all talked about this before. Some of us struggle with that because of the way our earthly father handled situations. And other, other of us, you know, go, yeah, I, I get that. I know, yeah, okay, father. Jesus says, I came to show you a father that is the greatest. But for some of us, you know, our hearts get in the way. And the scriptures say, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. With all of our heart. This is why we say, give your heart to the Lord, right? When's the last time you've heard someone say, well, I've given my mind to Jesus. We need to give that too. But most of the time we're saying, well, I gave my heart to the Lord, right? Paul says to the Lord, I want to know you. I want to know you, God. Everything else is nothing to me. I want to know you. And he says, I can't believe that you want to know me. Why do you want to know me? See, God knows us. God cares about us. He sees us. And I think that's what we need to hear, that God sees us. This is a gift that God doesn't want us to put on a shelf. It's a gift that we don't put in the closet. We don't put it in the shed. We don't put it in the recycle bin. We don't give it down to, you know, to wherever you donate to. It's a gift that never wears out. And if we learn how to use it, the gift duplicates itself into other people's lives those that are around us, and they'll want to use it also. Now, is that a gift or what? Man, this one was a Christmas sermon. I should have done this one on Christmas Eve or something. Man. He wants us to know him, and he sees us. He sees our struggles. He sees the things that happen to us. He sees the things that happen to those around us. And sometimes he may let you go through a difficult situation to help somebody else out that is going through a more difficult situation. You can say, uh, I've been there. You can relate. You don't have sympathy. You have, uh, you have empathy. There's a difference between the two, right? Sympathy is, oh, I feel so sorry you're going through that. Empathy is, I, I know where you're, you're at because I've been there myself. That's what the Lord has for us. Empathy. He went through the things that we go through. And he can deal with us. That's the greatest gift. Eternal life. And he wants us to use that for his good. Well, let's stand and pray as the worship team comes and finishes up with one last song. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you gave us this gift. I thank you that you have a desire to want to know me for who I am. That you gave me eternal life. And I pray that I don't uh, uh, take that for granted. I pray that that it's something that, that I'll want to use and to help people in this world. 
We thank you for every situation we go through, the easy ones and the difficult ones, because we know that you're going through them with us. Lord, I pray that as we go into these holiday seasons that, that we enjoy them, that we sit back, relax, and think about you. Be thankful for the things you've given us on this Thanksgiving week as we go into Christmas, Lord, that, that we enjoy the gift that you've given to this world through the birth of your son. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you. May he watch over you and protect you during this season. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.